Campbell's Food Service knows you have a lot to balance at your senior living operation. Our soups are crafted with ingredients you'd be proud to serve, and we have options for diets like reduced sodium, gluten-free, vegetarian, and vegan. Find your balance at campbellsfoodservice.com. Sponsored by Campbell's Food Service. Welcome to Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Winsight's Food Service Group. I'm Pat Kobe, the editor covering menu, food, and drink. Today I'm sitting down with Wade Hansen, principal with Technomic, and Sarah Rushworth, content director for Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. We're going to talk about how restaurant trends are impacting dining in senior living and retirement communities. Okay, wait, uh, Technomic reports that senior living represents 30% of operator-generated food service purchases, and that number seems to be increasing every year as more baby boomers age into senior living and residents live longer. So how do you see that growth trending in the future, and um, where is it going from here? Well, the, the statistic that you cite, Pat, is, is correct. Senior living does account for about 30% of all food service purchases in the healthcare industry. Uh, that number was only 24% about a dozen years ago. So over that period of time, we consider that to be a pretty significant shift. And it is a function of the boomer population moving into senior facilities uh, in large numbers. Uh, keep in mind, uh, the boomer generation today, we put them at an age of about 55, 56 through 74. Um, so over the past decade, many have transitioned from their old lifestyles in single family homes and into senior communities. Uh, but we haven't seen the end of that. When we're talking mm-hmm. about 55, 56 year olds, um, they are just starting to move into some of those senior communities. And so that's the young end of what we consider to be a very large generation. And so there's a lot of room for expansion. So we talk about that in terms of demographics, that does play a big role in the growth, uh, but so does this boomer generation's affinity for, for food service, all things food service. They've been a real key contributor to the expansion of the restaurant business uh, over the last decade plus, and they want food service programs in their new senior homes and in senior communities to reflect all that they like about the restaurant business. Um, So they have raised the bar for senior living decision makers. Those senior living uh, leadership folks uh, know that that's the case. So all told, when when you ask a question about uh, growth and, and how do we project growth going forward, We see the segment growing at an annual rate of 6.5% through 2024. That 6.5% will, um, if we achieve that, that will reflect the fastest growing segment in all of traditional food service. Very impressive. Well, I know on the restaurant side, snacking is showing a lot of growth. And the research shows that the majority of senior living operators are currently offering all-day snacking, too. And 1.7% of them plan to start a snacking program this year. So how is snacking trending on the restaurant side, Sarah? You know, we see a lot of operators adding snacks, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the definition of snack continues to change, and consumers see a lot more snacking going on in their daily lives. Um, You know, whether it's operators doing smaller portions of stuff that already exists. So you have places like Firehouse Subs and Pret-a-Manger doing just smaller sizes of their traditional sandwiches. Um, you have places like Just Salad, which is a New York-based chain that's here in Chicago as well, offering toasts. You have a lot of other you know, health-forward chains 
offering protein-packed snacks, and they, they call out the protein. Um, mm -hmm. as, as more consumers, including those who are moving into these senior living facilities and retirement communities, expanding their definition of snack, operators are just trying to keep up. So how about at the bar? Are you seeing more snacks in the bar service? I mean, besides the obvious happy hour snacks, right. absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, it's a lot of the word bite. We see a lot of bites. Mm -hmm. We see um, beverages in general. So, you know, it's not alcohol bar, but coffee bar. Mm -hmm. um, definitely more consumers thinking of smoothies, um, the more filling coffee drinks as snacks. And so mm -hmm. operators are really trying to cash in on that. And those can really be translated to senior living because the bars uh, is kind of an important part now. Absolutely. And so are coffee cafes and that kind of thing. So we talk a little bit about how on-the-go food options are also trending in senior living. Well, first I'll say demand for on-the-go food and beverages doesn't come to a screeching halt when someone <laughs> moves into a, a senior living facility. It's, it's a requirement across all ages, across all lifestyles. Uh, everyone, at, at least at times, is faced with a busy schedule and has a need for convenience or portability in some, in some form or fashion. Uh, Grab-and-go stations or markets within a senior facility allow residents access to these types of foods and beverages when they're pressed for time or simply want something hassle-free and easy. Uh, the fact that a full two-thirds of senior living facilities will have on-the-go options for their residents and their residents' guests uh, at some point within the next year shows that the need has been communicated upward, mm -hmm. uh, that collective demand for on-the-go has been heard by, by the decision makers and senior food service programs. Uh, I think it certainly uh, also ties back to what Sarah said, um, talking about snacking. Snacking with a lot of healthier alternatives will be a big part of, of the on-the-go options. Uh, take what the uh, Menno Haven retirement community in Pennsylvania has done with their introduction of their uh, about time bistro, time mm -hmm. as in T-H-Y-M-E. <laughs> um, their residents, as well as the employees who work there, uh, who, who've kind of really gravitated toward that option, now have this fast and easy and on-the-go option. They offer salads and sandwiches and smoothies and, and wraps. And this type of venue within that residence has really proven to be a, a great fit for especially the more active boomers. Mm. Well, Sarah, how is this trend uh, being taken to the next level in restaurants? I mean, we've seen a lot of growth, not only in on the go, but in delivery and ghost kitchens. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I think you have to see how it's actually appearing in the restaurant. So you have a lot of restaurants that are putting snack-sized items on the actual menu, but then you have a lot that are also going the more retail-style elements, mm -hmm. um, whether it's you know a full-on C-store, like Momofuku pretty much has a C-store that's attached to it, mm -hmm. um, versus just having a more clean-cut grab-and-go that's part of the design aesthetic. So it's not just one of those shelves that's kind of next to the checkout counter, but it's really thought of as part of the whole experience, and there's a lot of emphasis on where it's placed, what type of food is on it, um, and you're seeing a lot more smart design around where mm -hmm. the grab-and-go options are. But, you know, we also look at places like Whole Foods and Amazon Go, which, are they C-stores, are they restaurants, are they grocery? You know, with the lines blurring, mm -hmm. they're offering a lot of these snacks to go um, 
made with fresh foods, and restaurants are taking note of that. Mm-hmm. So they're also trying to get in that game. And one of the easy ways that they're able to do it is through this increase in both delivery and uh, ghost kitchens or virtual kitchens, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. You know, the uptick is exponential in how much more food is being delivered now than it was just a few years ago. And it's allowing for more anytime eating. Right. So these ghost kitchens are delivery only and they just, they cater to people all day long? Correct. So they have a certain delivery radius outside of them, but it's essentially a warehouse, for lack of a better word, with different bays Mm -hmm. that restaurants can lease. And so they lease these bays and then they have a few people who man the kitchen and that's it. So there's no front of house. It's only the back of house. And the ghost kitchen operator then handles a lot of the facilitating of the orders. Um, So it's almost having a delivery partner. Um, and it's it's for a very concentrated uh, geographic area. Cool. Well, I know that senior living probably doesn't have ghost kitchens yet, but how is delivery filtering down to that segment, Wade? It is filtering down from restaurants into senior living. And, and by delivery, we're not just talking about tray service to the room. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's different. Uh, it's evolving. It's um, It's something that's a little scary. To a lot of senior facilities, they don't think of themselves as being that sophisticated where they have to offer a delivery program or, or they haven't necessarily assumed over the years that their resident is looking for something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's changing, again, as we think about that boomer who's moving into these uh, residences and, and who's become familiar um, with all of these types of services. So we do see places like the Garlands in Illinois that are offering some of these chef-prepared meals that can be delivered on the grounds or delivered to, uh, to small groups. Residents are often having uh, catered parties in mm-hmm. their homes. Um, so this level of service allows uh, the resident to kind of replicate some of the experiences that they would have had throughout their lives. Um, it, it isn't just delivery though, it's also carry out mm-hmm. is, is becoming something that we're seeing um, in this segment. Um, so think about it, the seniors have an opportunity to to place an order, maybe through a, an app or, or some sort of technology, uh, specify where and when they'd like to pick that order up. Um, and then that order's ready for them at, in, in, in what turns out to be a pretty convenient process for them. So all told, you know, we're sh- seeing a shift away from uh, all of this on-premise dining hall dining um, and moving into allowing the resident to get the food when and where they need it. Cool. Do you think catering is going to be big in senior living? Uh, I wouldn't say big, um, particularly as uh, the the residences are trying to uh, stimulate more socialization and more networking and bringing the communities together, kind of let's get folks out of their rooms and knowing each other. And I think as that happens and we get larger groups together, you will see some degree of catering. They also like to plan like birthday parties Mm -hmm. and anniversary parties. So that's something that the chefs have told us they really are busy doing lately. And speaking of uh, the senior living chefs, uh, they're looking for new recipes and ideas always to add variety to the menu. 81% of them have told us that. So why is variety and choice more important to older consumers now? Well, again, I think the older consumers spent the better part of their lives observing how restaurant food and experiences have become better and better. And there's there's kind of a widespread sentiment amongst these folks that they want all of those same food service positives mm-hmm. uh, in their new community. So 
things like variety, things like new flavor profiles and global flavors and even more vegetarian options. These are all things that, that the senior doesn't want to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, uh, a place like the Garlands that we just mentioned has placed a focus on giving the resident choice. Mm -hmm. um, and, and choice means that they might be able to get that meal delivered, like we just said. Uh, it might be that they're creating an environment that presents options as far as formality of dining, options as far as decor or menu. The Garlands has a formal fine dining option. They have a separate casual dining restaurant within, mm. within the, um, uh, the location. They have coffee bars. They have a modern steakhouse. Uh, these are all on property. And this level of variety helps keep the resident excited about the food service program, uh, eliminate some of the monotony mm -hmm. that, that maybe this channel was once known for, but is, is certainly moving away from. Right. And then they won't go elsewhere to eat, I they, guess. They stay there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, customization and personalization is also a big trend on the restaurant side. So, Sarah, how, what are you seeing as far as those two trends go? Well, I think it all started with, you know, the Chipotleization of the restaurant industry. Everyone mm -hmm. was doing build your own. It started with burritos and it moved to every ethnic and non-ethnic food. You Subway could... would say it's the subway Exactly, I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, now it's moved into more eating for your lifestyle and eating for your diet. Mm -hmm. um, so we have, you know, concepts catering to folks on paleo, keto, mm. Whole30, a lot of different customization options that they're making clear. Um, Protein Bar, for example, did a keto bowl. Chipotle has its uh, keto options that you can right. order online. They're really keeping that in mind. And then we're also seeing, you know, we hear customization, we hear personalization. All of a sudden now we're also hearing a lot more about individualization, mm. um, which is really just taking it to the extreme. Mm -hmm. It's pretty similar, realistically. Right. But instead of maybe swapping out an ingredient or two, it's really thinking about the overall diet that a person is eating and what's good for them personally and watching how they tailor their items and then allowing that to happen. You know, I feel like a lot of chefs that we've spoken with are almost at the point of customization burnout. You know, mm. they don't want all the modifications, right. but the reality is consumers, including those moving into the uh, senior living communities, are used to it now. Right. You know, they, they know that they can get what they want. And so it's going to continue to be a demand. So, Wade, how is customization playing out in senior living? Do you see some of this happening there, too? Absolutely. And, and Sarah's right. This is um, demand for customization and personalization has been one of the biggest trends we've seen in all of food service over the last few years. Um, I think I said it before, but consumers want what they want, when they want it, where they mm -hmm. want it. Um, and it's becoming more pronounced. We actually did a survey uh, on, a, on a study recently where 44% of consumers indicated that they know flavors and flavor combinations better than professional chefs. Wow. <laughs> um, as you can imagine, this drives chefs crazy. Um, you talk about the, the, the chef burnout with respect to customization. Um, they look at it and say, we've got all these years of education, we've got all these years of experience, we've developed all of these recipes over time, and then we have the consumer come in and say, I know better. Right. Um, and, and what it's meant in many cases is sometimes uh, it, it's almost like we're deconstructing the meals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the chef can explain the concept and the ingredients 
um, but they're going to expect that the resident is going to want to change things. Mm-hmm. Um, now, senior living has, has honestly been more adept at customization than most segments over the years because they've had to account for things like dietary restrictions right. and so forth. So it's something that um, they've done significant amounts of. Uh, they're, they're now just having to apply that level of customization in some different ways and, and to the larger population mm-hmm. of, of their residents. So you do end up having more places that have customizable made-to-order stations. Uh, Laurel View Village, uh, the tongue twister, in uh, Pennsylvania, for example, um, has not only made-to-order stations like a fresh harvest salad station, but they also have what they call their village table, which is where you put 10 or 12 seats around this table that has a bit of a theater element. Mm, Um, And the chefs prepare meals in front of them. And the residents um, can ask for changes during that cooking process. So it's that combination of theater, entertainment, mm. but also still giving the the, uh, the resident that level of customization that they might hope for. Right. Well, that's ultra customization for sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the biggest trends we're seeing on the restaurant side is the growth in plant-forward and vegetable-forward menu items. Sarah, do you know what some of the items are that are fueling this trend, and how do you expect it to impact menus in the coming year? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think you can really talk about restaurant menus of right now without talking about some of the analog meat products that are mm-hmm. out there, the, the Beyonds and the Impossible Burgers. Um, you know, how many chains have added them? You know, it's dozens and dozens, and it doesn't look like that's slowing down anytime soon. But we also see a little bit of consumer questioning about is this really the best option, especially mm-hmm. as we're going plant forward, we're thinking about diet diets. Uh, so you have, again, chains and independents alike trying to create actual veggie forward alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, you have places like the chain Be Good that are really thinking about how do we combine veggies and grains to match the taste or be just as good and just as filling as um, whether it's meat or the, the faux meat um, what what are these best options? And they're coming out with not just burgers, but bowls and um, other options so mm-hmm. that people really can get more vegetables in their diet. Um, most of that drives back to this whole flexitarian eating style. Right. It's not, it's mostly not vegetarians, actually, because mm-hmm. it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's people who are trying to reduce their meat intake, whether it's for health reasons or for eco reasons. Um, we see a lot of younger consumers who are trying to reduce the amount of beef they eat because of their carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. And so operators are responding as quickly and as best they can. Right. And, and this has exploded over the last six months or so mm-hmm. in every part of the food service business. And um, we're going to see it, I think, evolve almost as quickly going forward as it has the last six months. Because um, you do have this idea of a lot of folks who do want to reduce that meat intake. But we're already even seeing some of the consumer pushback on is my reduction in meat intake going to the right places? Are these plant-based mm-hmm. products really as better for you or healthy as what they're positioned as? And we see more and more consumers who are doing their homework on what's in some of these offerings and they're starting to ask some questions about um, the, the ingredient labels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think we'll, we'll see this evolve on an ongoing basis. Absolutely. I think 2020 especially is going to be this focus on what does clean eating yeah. look like right. and using actual veggies and grains and 
it'll be interesting to see what new products pop up next. Yeah, I think you're right. And a lot of restaurant chefs are relating it to like lifestyle, like you mentioned before, the bowls at Chipotle, and they're called lifestyle bowls or flexitarian um, menu items. So I think they're trying to get away from that whole meat analog thing. Well, it's such a great name. I want to eat a meat analog. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, Wade, on, on the senior living front, Better For You Foods have, are a priority. They've always been a priority. But what are some of the drivers of this trend? I mean, we, we did talk a little bit about vegetables and grains. Are you seeing that on the senior living front? We are. Um, whole grains in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, better For You, as well as truly functionally healthy, um, obviously have a place in senior living. Maybe not to the same degree as what we might see in long-term care, but it's really important to most uh, senior residents. Um, and the importance typically continues to rise as that residence, uh, as that resident, excuse me, ages. Um, as they age, there's, there's more watch-outs or they're paying more attention to the, the no-no lists, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also more menu items that can contribute to better health or well-being that they're trying to incorporate. Um, all that said, you know, when it comes to better for you, one of the areas where we're seeing the most advancements has to do with products that can be deemed sustainable mm. in, in some way. Um, while sustainability doesn't factor into senior living decision-making in quite the same way as it would on a college campus, for example, where, right. where virtually every college student is demanding <laughs> that from, from their university. Um, it is showing real notable rises in importance to senior uh, consumers. Now, at Technomic, when we talk about sustainability, it could be in one of three different ways. Um, we view it in three parts. Uh, there are things that apply to what we'll call planet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, what's the carbon footprint impact that that food service is having on a business. Um, We also see things that apply to people. So our employees being paid fair wages, Mm -hmm. for example. Um, And then there's those things that apply to the food and beverage product themselves. And right now, that's the senior facility focus, is Mm -hmm. on the product. Mm -hmm. So um, decision makers are bringing in more foods and beverages that are all natural and clean label and locally sourced and antibiotic free those sorts of things are up double digits in terms of menu incidents in senior living over just the last two years. And um, we think that trend is going to continue to rise considerably. Well, the chefs on our FSD Culinary Council tell us the same thing, and that they're also trying to put more vegetables on the plate and do vegetable forward plates and sort of decreasing the portion sizes of protein. So is that a good way to go if you're trying to do better for you foods as well? Certainly, it's one of the options, mm-hmm. um, and, and quite frankly, we've, we've got a lot of seniors who complain about portion sizes being too large anyway, <laughs> Right. Um, so, so it fits, um, but we're seeing some of those things about smaller portions, um, going back to what Sarah was talking about with the, with the plant-based uh, foods, we're starting to see that make its way into senior living a little bit, mm-hmm. um, not on a widespread basis, but, right. but slowly but surely. Um, we've got places like the Goodman Group, uh, which has communities, senior communities, across seven or eight different states, and they're emphasizing some of their plant-based dining that they offer to their residents. Um, we also know that seniors are getting more help in making decisions about where to live if things like vegetarianism and veganism and plant-based uh, eating are high on their uh, list of important things. Mm. 
um, with the percentage of consumers who adhere to some of these diets being on the rise, they obviously have a need for more information. And the Vegetarian Resource Group, for example, they publish a list of independent living and nursing homes in each state that uh, offer these, these types of dining options. Mm. Um, so there, there's a need for that level of information. There's a need for that uh, type of dining. And it's, it's slowly but surely, again, starting to, to decline. Well, Sarah, let's pivot away from plant-based for a moment and talk about some of the other trends that you see trickling down for in 2020, you know, from the restaurant side. Well, I think the example Wade gave of the uh, theater-style dining is going to continue, um, whether it's experiential or even a, a much simpler take on it, which is just the open kitchen. I think we're going to see a lot more emphasis on uh, residents wanting to see their food and to be part of that experience. The other big menu trend I think we'll eventually see continuing to trickle into senior living is ethnic ethnic dining. Um, I'm, I would expect that it'll be American classics with a bit of an ethnic twist, mm -hmm. but then there's places that, you know, combine it all, whether it's, you know, a wow bow that does, you know, one bow is the perfect snack and people understand, okay, this is a bread type product with a meat in it mm -hmm. or a vegetable in it. You know, those are the types of things that make sense and would work well in these types of communities. Yeah, one of the things that's going to be a watch out for some of the uh, facilities, though, when we talk about open kitchens, um, restaurants figured this out a long time ago, just how critical uh, appearance and cleanliness is. Mm. And uh, it's something that the senior facilities are going to have to adapt to because they haven't always been singularly focused on what can the diner see. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't, they've, they've overlooked things for so long, the diner might see some things that, that they don't see. Right. Um, and cleanliness is, is right up there with the quality of the food, uh, as far as most are concerned. And it'll be interesting, too, as diners moving into these communities are more educated and more used to it, how quickly that's going to become pivotal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I even heard about some senior living uh, facilities doing uh, chef tables and theme dinners. Have you seen any of that, Wade, sure. like as part of the experience, trying to promote an experience? Yeah, we have. I mentioned that Laurel View Village earlier. They're, they were the community where I talked about the, the village table uh, mm -hmm. where people can be entertained by the chef, rep, the, the chef prep in front of them uh, mm -hmm. while they customize their meals. Um, they also make great use of that setup as far as entertainment is concerned. They'll host events like an Italian night. Uh, during which the residents have kind of a party atmosphere mm. and have the ability to interact with the chefs and, and the, uh, the employees there. Um, it creates a connection between the staff and the resident in a lot of ways, which is becoming more and more important. It also creates this experience with the central focus being the quality of the food, the creativity of the menu, authentic ingredients, especially as they're going towards more ethnic dishes, um, and trying to tell a story through the food mm -hmm. that excites um, the, the resident, it, it creates a, a more lively uh, interaction. Um, we've seen other places host or participate in some of the culinary competitions. Uh, like you mentioned, these experiences can both highlight um, just how skilled some of these senior chefs are. Um, it's also potentially a source of entertainment. Mm -hmm. You can bring in chefs from the local community, from restaurants and so forth, and compete against your right. uh, chefs there uh, in your facility. And, and it's exciting and interesting for the, for the uh, residents. So there's no denying that, that food is entertainment for many consumers, and that certainly applies uh, in senior facilities, not just for the resident, but their families who come and visit as well. 
Well, it seems like senior living is really paying attention to restaurant trends and changing up food service to better meet the expectations of their uh, residents. So is there anything else you'd like to add, Wade, that we should be aware of? I, I think we've alluded to it throughout this discussion, but it probably deserves to be called out more directly before we end this discussion, and that's the the bar has been raised for, for senior living food service. And it's based almost entirely on boomers moving in and having these really high expectations uh, mm -hmm. for dining programs. They pay a lot of attention to it um, during the selection process of where they want to live. Uh, and it certainly carries over once they're there. Um, in time, and, and probably a short amount of time, um, there will have to be a greater resemblance to restaurant-like dining. Mm -hmm. that is really high quality and, and experiential. The food's going to have to be authentic, probably bolder in flavors, uh, certainly more customizable. Um, the experience is going to have to encourage that socializing and interaction with the food preparation process. Um, to their credit, senior living has come a long, long way in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. But further progress will, will be expected, particularly of those who, who maybe have lagged behind a little bit, because um, there are some of those facilities out there. But all that said, the, the outlook is really bright uh, for senior living food service to expand and grow going forward. And I think the exciting thing with raising the bar is that this also then becomes an excellent channel for labor. Mm. There are so many trained you know, chefs, culinary students that maybe don't find the restaurant life the right balance for them. And senior living is a really great opportunity if promoted right as, as these facilities are increasing their food service offerings. Right. Thanks so much, Wade and Sarah. Join us next time as we explore more trends in our bi-weekly menu feed podcast. Campbell's Food Service knows you have a lot to balance at your senior living operation. Our soups are crafted with ingredients you'd be proud to serve, and we have options for diets like reduced sodium, gluten-free, vegetarian, and vegan. Find your balance at campbellsfoodservice.com, sponsored by Campbell's Food Service.